I started a series last week called Generous Living. And yes, the series is about money. Yes, it is about money. And I'm not going to be apologetic about it because I believe it's what God wants for you. I believe with all of my heart it's what God wants for you. God doesn't just want you to experience freedom in, in your career, freedom in your school, freedom in your, in, in your relationships, freedom in, in, with your wife, with your, with your friends, freedom at home. God wants you to experience complete freedom and that includes your finances as well. God wants to set you free. And I said last week, as much as you hold on to something that you need to release, you take credit for being the owner of it. But none of us are called to be owners. We are stewards. And we look after what God has given us. My message today is titled, You Are Not Without Hope. And I'm going to break this into a two-part message. It is a longer message. I want to break this into a two-part message. I'm going to do the second part week after next, because next week we got a guest speaker. So I'm going to break it down. And listen, let me say this. Fabian did not know that I was going to preach on the same passage. Fabian had no clue that I was going to preach on the same passage. These are the two passages that I'm speaking from this morning, this afternoon, sorry. 1 Kings 17 verses 8 to 16 and 2 Kings 4 verses 1 to 7. Now the reason why I didn't list out the entire uh, passage that I'm speaking from is because they are, quite, they, are, uh, they are quite a number of verses. There are a lot of verses over there. And what I, want, what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to go back home and read these two passages of scripture because I can't tell you how many times God has spoken to me from these passages. Some of my favorite passages of scripture. And I want to encourage you, go back home and read and see what God wants to say to you through these two passages. 1 Kings 17, 8 and 16, and 2 Kings 4, verse 1 to 7. Now Fabian already touched on the story a bit, and I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it a bit. Now Elijah has given, given a message, he's given a word from God to go to this place called Zarephath. And he says, I've already commanded a widow over there to provide for you. Now Elijah goes to this place and he meets this lady. She's a widow. She's got a son. And the first thing he says is, bring me some water. And then he says, and oh, also get me something to eat. And then she says, I'm sorry, we just have little flour in the house and very little oil in the jar. And we've, we've decided, as you can see, I'm already laying the sticks to make some bread and we're going to eat it and die. What a, what a way to, to uh, tell you, I mean, what, what a thing to look forward to. What a thing to tell your son. Child, this is going to be our last meal. We've been starving for so long. This is what it's come down to. And we're going to eat this and we're going to die. And as Fabian said, Elijah, you could have expected him to be a compassionate person. 
and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't mean to offend you, I didn't mean to ask for something that's your last. But Elijah goes on and says, okay, listen, just make it for me anyway. Just make it for me anyway. You know why? Because God already instructed him prior to his, God already instructed him prior to him setting out to make that trip. God said, I already commanded the widow there to provide for you. So Elijah is not a person without compassion. He knows God and he knows what God is up to. And I want to say this. If you have a relationship with God, if you know this God that I've been speaking about for so long and every week, and not just me speaking, but if you have a relationship and you're drawing from God, you want to have this relationship with Him, you want to get to know Him, I want you to know one thing. You and I are never without hope. You and I are never without hope. And then Elijah says, as long as the drought is there, as long as the famine is there, that jar of oil and your flour will never run out. And then the second story we see in 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha, okay, Eli, now it's Elisha on the scene, this widow, the second widow goes and tells Elisha, you know, my husband, your servant, was a man who loved God and he is no more. We are in debt. We are in debt and the person we owe money to is coming to take both my sons as his slaves. And then Elisha says, what do you want me to do? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? And she goes on to say, it's quite contradictory actually with what she said. She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. Go to your neighbors, ask them for their vessels and get all the vessels into the house and when you and your sons get into the house, lock the door behind you and start pouring the oil into every one of those vessels. And that's what she did. And then she told her son, bring me another vessel. And the son said, there's no more. There's no more. And then he said, Elisha told her, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. That's the story. Have you ever had your back? Have you ever felt like your back was up against the wall? You felt like there was no way out. You're probably feeling like that today. You feel that like there's no way out. You feel like there's help from nowhere. You feel like you want to quit. You feel like this is the end. You have nothing to look forward to but disappointment, despair, and defeat. This is what these women felt like. This is what these widows felt like. The first widow along with her son was confronted with starvation. The second widow deeply in debt and was in, a, was in a place where she thought both her sons are going to be taken away from her as slaves. But in both of these situations, the women found out 
that God is the God of the impossible. That God is the God of the impossible. He can and He will help you if you will first look at what you have to offer. Look at what you have to offer. Elisha said, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. The widow replied, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. God is going to do a miracle. There's no questions about that. God not only wants to, he is going to do a miracle. But he wants us to offer what we have. He wants us to offer what we have. God can actually create something out of nothing. How many of you believe that with me? God can create something out of nothing. Imagine, I have nothing in the house but a little jar of oil. Imagine that but a little jar of oil filled as many vessels that were brought into that house. She might have thought, I don't know, I was not in the, situ I was not in the situation, but she might have thought, what the heck? This is not getting over. Maybe, maybe this one, maybe we'll probably fill this one vessel and then get the next one, get the next one, fast, fast, get the next one. Gets the next one. Oh my goodness. This is not stopping. It only stopped when there wasn't another jar. It only stopped when there wasn't another vessel. God can create a miracle out of nothing. You might be here today and saying, God, I cannot give. I don't have a job. God can create a job for you out of nothing. The doctor told me this. God, in your worst situation that you may think you are going through right now, God can do something in that situation out of nothing. Because God loves you deeply. And he cares for you more than you know. Like I said, he wants us to see first. He wants, us to, he wants us to first see what he has given us and wants us to offer him what we do have. Both widows did not have wealth or assets. Notice what they say. The first one, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, just a handful of flour and a little oil. And then going down to the last part of the verse. I'm going to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. The second widow says, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Your servant has nothing, your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. They were, listen, you know, truth be told, they were in situations that seemed hopeless with no means of solving their dilemma. They were in hopeless situations. They did not have much, but they still had something that God could use. They did not have much, but they still had something that God could use. God wanted them to take the focus off from themselves and focus on Him and His power. You know, in life, as long as you're in a relationship with God and you trust this God more than anything else, more than anyone else, for you or your family, 
there are no hopeless situations. There are no hopeless situations. There are, there are only people who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians 9 verses 7 to 8 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not, reluct not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Say abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let me say this. As a person who was in a situation once, who was scared to give, who was selfish, who didn't want to, but I'm thankful to God that he brought about freedom in my life, in the area, to trust him not to give and get back but to trust him that when I give, there's a joy that comes about in my heart that I'm giving to something that's far bigger than I can see or imagine. And that's the kingdom of God. I get to experience the kingdom of God every day. I may not see it in, in I, I may not see it as a physical manifestation, but I experience, the phys, I, I, I experience the kingdom of God and all of us get a chance to experience the, physical, the, the kingdom of God every single day. And that's what brings about joy in my heart that I'm giving to that. It's okay, I'm giving everything to that, it's fine. I'm giving a lot more or whatever to that. But I know that I have a big, big father in heaven who cares for me and my family. And he will not let me down. To give grudgingly or out of a sense of obligation let me say this, to give grudgingly or out of a sense of obligation is to miss out on God's blessings. To give grudgingly or out of a sense of obligation is to miss out on God's blessings. You, you know, sometimes I feel sorry for that note. You know, we hold on, hold on, hold on. We, we, we squish, we, we, we choke the life out of that falcon. If you know what I'm talking about. Until the last way moment, oh, I have to give, I have to give. Let me give it anyway, it's okay. Let me give it anyway. Look at them, you know? To give grudgingly out of a sense of obligation is to miss out on God's blessings. The last point that I wanna share for today and then I'll carry on the message, I'll continue the message week after next is be willing to trust God and do whatever he asks. Be willing to trust God and do whatever he asks. Can you imagine going to a widow, a single parent who's raising up a child alone and asking her for the last bit of food in her house, knowing that both she and her child are themselves hungry and they're starving to death. Can you imagine the struggles that this woman might have, might have had to go through? Not just, not just knowing that there's no food in the house, but knowing how she needs to communicate this to her son. The question is, was she going to obey? God told Elijah in verse nine, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. It's true that God told her, but the question is, was she going to obey? Think of the, the, the crazy request of Elisha. 
go get vessels from everywhere. Wherever you can go, get the vessels, borrow the vessels and come back. Pull out every pot and pan in your house and try to get as much as you can from wherever you, from, from, from any or every person. It's not a matter of understanding. It's a matter of trusting obedience. It's not a matter of understanding. Well, uh, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, well, uh, how am I supposed to do this? It's not. It's a matter of trusting obedience. You know, the Lord does not always let us in on what he's doing. And trust fills the gap when we don't understand. Trust fills the gap when we don't understand. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, quite a, not a lot, quite a few of you might have had struggles with trusting in the last year. Trust was broken. But someone told us, what do you do when trust is broken? You start trusting again. You start trusting again. God will never let you down. That's not his plan. That's not who he is. He will always make sure he does whatever he needs to do in and, in and through you and for you and for your family. He will never let you down. Trust fills the gap when we don't understand. People around us will break our trust. But as long as our focus is fixed on the God who will never let us down, and we're able to put our hope and trust with him, hope and trust in him, not knowing or understanding what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, or what's going to work, what, how is it going to work out, what's going to happen. As long as we put our hope and trust in him, and we build up our faith in him, whatever happens around us is a spill-off, is a spill-over. Because the more you put your time, your energy, your effort in trusting in someone who knows he will not let you down, and knowing that he's the supreme being, knowing that he is where your help comes from, even if people around you do something, it will not matter. Because you have your trust in someone who's far bigger than your environment around you. Far bigger and far greater than your environment around you. Trust fills the gap when we don't understand. And we have to give the Father the benefit of the doubt. We have to give the Father the benefit of the doubt. Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways submit to Him. And He will make your path straight. You are trusting God You've got the road curved up. You've got, you've, got, you've got a barricade. You've got obstacles ahead of you. All you need to do is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your, whole, lean not on your own understanding. Oh God, I'm coming up to a dead end. God, I'm coming up to a dead end. What's going to happen right now? God, I'm walking. I'm walking. Your word says the steps of the righteous are ordained. God, there's, there are these obstacles. It's not for you to worry about. There may be an obstacle, a meter from where you are standing. God will make your path straight. You know, a number of years ago, uh, I remember, I stood over here. I stood over here on the first row. The previous night, the previous night, uh, I removed a good amount of money to keep for the week to, to, to pay my daughter's fees. 
and she got into a new year. She, she, moved, she, she moved into a new year in school. And I came and I stood over here. It was Easter, uh, it, uh, it, it was March 31st. I remember it was March 31st. Next day was April 1st, obviously. April Fool's Day. And uh, it, 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 was, it, it, was, it was a Friday service. I'm pretty sure it was a Friday, Friday or Saturday service. But I know that the that, that next day was Easter Sunday or something like that. So I had this, 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 this good amount of money in my, in my wallet. And while I'm worshiping, I'm so engaged in worship. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the presence of God. And I felt God saying, empty your wallet and put everything into the offering bag. I said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I'm worshiping God. I'm like, no, no, God, I've got, you've got this. I'm not going to let anything distract me. And I'm getting back into worship. And I'm enjoying myself. And I hear it again. Empty your wallet and put everything in the bag. And I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with it. I'm fighting with it. Till I removed it. I'm like, God, this better be you. God, this better be you. I removed everything and I put it, I put it in the bag. And I told, my, I told my wife, I said, this is how much we have for the month of April. And then she's like, is this some kind of April Fool's joke? I'm like, no, no, I'm serious. And we had to, we, uh, Ilana's fees were due that week. We had to get a new uniform. I didn't, buy her un I didn't buy her new uniform. She was in kindergarten, moved up to first grade. I didn't buy her a new uniform because we only had, we didn't have as much, you know. We needed that for the, we needed that to take us through the month. I sent her to school, I sent her to school and uh, for a father, you know, it breaks your heart when your child comes back home crying. Everyone in class made fun of me. Everyone in class made fun of me because I wore the old uniform. Just a small girl. Second day, I sent her, I told her, and she's very understanding, I told her, I said, Lana, God's going to come through for us. God's going to do a miracle. Second day, I dropped her off to school. A friend of mine called me. Now, this is April. A friend of mine called me and said, uh, hey, are you free for lunch? I said, yeah. He said, okay, cool. I'll meet you so-and-so at this place. Met him for lunch. And he said, you know, last year in December, I asked you to pray for a bonus and a salary increase. And uh, he said, it's pretty late. It's pretty late. And we normally get in Jan, but they delayed it up to April. He said, I got, I got, a, I got a good uh, bonus, but I got a really phenomenal salary, salary increase. And God spoke to me and told me that I have to give you the first fruits. I was like, what? It was much more than the school fees, than the uniform, and much more to take us on, not for the rest of the month, but beyond. Trust fills the gap when we don't understand. All what we need to do is we need to be willing to trust God and do whatever He asks. You know, very often we pray for the situation to change. We want God to solve our problem, but we're not willing to do as God says. It's not always easy, and it's not always easy to smile and be nice when we're called to sacrifice something. It's not always easy to put others first, especially when we're tired and when we're feeling our worst. It wasn't so easy for Jesus to climb Calvary's hill. It wasn't. But we as his children should learn to obey. Not seeking our own, but seeking his way.
It's not, it's not always easy to fight the good fight, but it is always good and it is always right. It's not always easy to fight the good fight, but it is always good and it is always right. And I want to close with this. You know, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, a verse that many of us are very familiar with. He says, bring the tide into the storehouse that there may be, that they, that they may be food in my house. And this is the only place where God says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, that there will not be room enough to store it. You know, God never commands us to do something that he will not help us do. God never commands us to do something that he will not help us do. You may be in a place today where you're probably saying, I don't have much. But you're probably overlooking the little that you do have. You're probably overlooking something that God can use to bring about your breakthrough and your victory. What I want to encourage you, what I want to encourage you with, if nothing, if nothing else, is to trust God completely. Being a person who can live a generous life doesn't really mean that, oh my God, I have to give towards the church, I want to give towards the church, I want to give to the church. More about what, more about what you feel or you think you need to do for others, it's about what God wants to do for you. It's, what, it's about what God wants to do in your life, for your family, for your breakthrough, more than what you feel you need to do for others. And I'm going to be praying throughout this month. You know, I'm going to be praying throughout this month. If there's a job that you're looking for, you're searching for, if there's promotion, if there's, if there's, now I'm not saying that you're going to receive it all of, you're going to receive all this this month. I don't want to give you false hope. I want you to put your hope in God and to trust Him that His timing is perfect and it will happen. But if you're looking for all of these things, I believe in this God who's more than able to do above and beyond what you are asking for. So stand with me this afternoon as we close this service.